Well, hey, we're going to continue our sermon series through the Gospel of Luke today. So if you have your Bible or if you have the YouVersion Bible app on your phone, feel free to go to Luke chapter 12 today. Luke chapter 12, we're going to be starting in verse 13. Again, if you are following along on the app, I encourage you to go to the more tab than events. You can find all the information that you normally find in your bulletin here. Hey, Luke chapter 12. Uh, last week, we talked about how Jesus was teaching the crowd here. He's also teaching his disciples what it looks like to have an eternal mindset versus just living for here and now. He's going to continue that. There's some people who cannot get it through their thick head what this looks like. There's some people that pop uh, pipe in here. They ask Jesus a question. They ask Jesus to help them. And it's just very evident that Jesus is, when he's asked this, that these people do not understand it. So Jesus here, he goes on and he uh, continues teaching them what it looks like to have an eternal Mindset. So follow along with me here. Luke chapter 12, starting in verse 13. We're going to read a lot here. We're going to uh, finish the whole chapter here. So stick with me here. There's a lot of text here, but it's really good. This is what, it, what happens here. Luke chapter 12. It says this. Someone in the crowd said to him, teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. But he said to him, man, who made me judge or arbitrator over you? And he said to them, take care and be on your guard against all covetousness. For one's life does not consist of the abundance of his possessions. And he told them a parable saying, The land of a rich man produced plentifully. And he thought to himself, What shall I do? For I have nowhere to store my crops. And he said, I will do this. I will tear down my barns and build larger ones. And there I will store my grain and my goods. And I will say to my soul, Soul, you have ample goods laid up for many years. Relax, eat, drink, be merry. But God said to him, fool, this night your soul is required of you. And the things you have prepared, whose will they be? So it is with the one who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich towards God. And he said to his disciples, therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you'll eat, nor about your body, what you'll put on. For life is more than food and the body more than clothing. Consider the ravens. They neither sow nor reap. They have neither storehouse nor barn. Yet God feeds them. Of how much more value are you than birds? And which of you, be, by being anxious, can add a single hour to the span of his life? If then you are not able to do as small of a thing as that, why are you anxious about the rest? Consider the lilies, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all of his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass, which is alive in the field today, and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, how much more will he clothe you? O oh, you of little faith, and do not seek what you are to eat, what you are to drink, nor be worried. For all the nations of the world seek after these things, and your Father knows that you need them. Instead, seek his kingdom, and these things will be added to you. Fear not, little flock, for it is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Sell your possessions and give to the needy. Provide yourselves with money bags that do not grow old, with a treasure in the heavens that does not fail, where no thief approaches and no moth destroys. For where your treasure is, there will be your heart also. Stay dressed for action. Keep your lamps burning and be like men who are waiting for their master to come home from the wedding feast so that they may open the doors to him at once when he comes and knocks. Blessed are those servants whom the master finds awake when he comes. Truly, I say to you, 
He will dress himself for service and have them recline at, uh, at table. And he will come and serve them. If he comes in, the second watch or in the third, and finds them awake, blessed are those servants. But know this, if the master of the house had known at what hour the thief was coming, he would not have left his house to be broken into. You also must be ready, for the Son of Man is coming at an hour you do not expect. Peter said, Lord, are you telling this parable for us or for all? And the Lord said, Who then is the faithful and wise manager whom his master set over his household to give them their portion of food at the proper time? Blessed is that servant whom his master will find so doing when he comes. Truly, I say to you, he'll set him over all his possessions. But if that servant says to himself, my master is delayed in coming and begins to beat the male and the female servants and to eat and to drink and get drunk, the master of that servant will come on a day when he does not expect him and at an hour he does not know and he will cut him to pieces and he'll be put with the unfaithful. And that servant who knew his master's will but did not get ready or act accordingly to his will will receive a severe beating. But the one who did not know and did what deserved a beating will receive a light beating. Everyone to whom much was given, of him much will be required. And from him to whom they entrusted much, they will demand the more. I came to cast fire on earth, and would that it would already be kindled. I have a baptism to be baptized with, and how great is my distress until it is accomplished. Do you think that I have come to give peace on earth? No, I tell you, but rather division. From now on, in one house, there will be five divided, three against two and two against three. There will be divided father against son, son against father, mother against daughter, daughter against mother, mother-in-law against daughter, daughter-in-law against mother-in-law. He also said to the crowds, when you see a cloud rising in the west, you say at once a shower is coming and so it happens. And when you see the south wind blowing and you say there will be scorching heat and it happens, you hypocrites, you know how to interpret the appearance of the earth and sky, but why do you know, or uh, I'm sorry, why do you not know how to interpret the present time? And why do you not judge for yourselves what is right? As you go with your accuser before the magistrate, make an effort to settle with him on the way, lest he drag you to the judge. And the judge hand you over to the officer, and the officer put you in prison. I tell you, you will never get out until you have paid the very last penny. We're going to talk about this and what this means for our lives. And let's be honest, there's a lot of text here. But there's a common theme throughout all of this that Jesus is speaking to. It's very similar to what he spoke to last week as well, the passage that we went over last week. But I want to get something very clear to us all, because... In the passage here, at the very beginning, after Jesus has been speaking about having this eternal mindset, there's someone that pipes in. And it's just very clear again that he does not understand what is going on. I think for each and every one of us, we can hear about having this eternal mindset and investing in the God's kingdom above our own. And oftentimes, we can be those same people. Oftentimes, we can be those hard-headed people that go, okay, I hear it, but I'm going to keep on doing my own thing. So I think it's important that we talk about this uh, one extra Sunday here, and as I was preparing for this message, I could be honest. I think God's got some really good things for us. If we were to take these and apply them to our lives, I think it could really change 
the way that we interact with the here and now, with our uh, timely things, with our money, with our resources, with our relationships. So let's go before God. Let's ask him for his help with this as we talk about his word today. Pray with me, if you will. Father, we thank you so much for your good, your perfect, your authoritative word over our lives. And Jesus, as we talk about this, would you work on our hearts? Would you transform us to look less like us and more like you? Would you help us to give our lives over to you and transform us? Jesus, again, we don't want to be the type of Christians who just show up to church and leave unaffected. But God, we truly want to grow in our relationship with you. We want to glorify you more and more each day. So give us the wisdom and the courage to change the things that we need to change about ourselves. Give us the wisdom and the courage to hand ourselves over to you and allow you to transform us. That's what we want, God. Help us to do that. Help us to glorify you and worship you better and build up your kingdom better each and every day that we live. It's in your precious, life-changing name we pray, Jesus. Amen. Hey, I want to highlight this uh, first verse for you. I want to highlight this. I want, I want you to think about what Jesus has been preaching. He's been preaching for eternity, uh, that we should have this eternal mindset. He's been talking over several things here. And then there's this, there's this guy, he pipes in, and he yells throughout the crowd, and he says, Hey, Jesus! Hey, my brother? Yeah, he's really greedy. Dad left everything to him, and he wants to keep it. Would you tell him to share? I mean, literally, any parents out there that have uh, had to have the conversation, hey, sharing is important, right? Share with your brother, right? Or you had a kid come up to you, maybe. He's not sharing. He's not giving me what I want. You know, Parents in the room, yeah, you hear that? We have this conversation at the Fisher household almost daily, it seems like, way more often than I would like to. And that's what's happening, right? There's this guy, he's bickering. Now, I want you to think about just the frustration that Jesus would have felt that he just had this whole long talk, this whole long teaching moment with these people. It's this very in-depth about how we should have this eternal mindset. And then he has someone ask him, hey, uh, I need all that money that my brother's hogging. I mean, this is the moment where you just go, why, why, you guys just don't get it. This is, uh Okay, all right, we need to go, uh, okay, we need to start from the beginning. And I feel like this is what Jesus is doing here. He's saying, hey, you obviously are not getting this through your thick skulls. You're not understanding what I'm trying to tell you here. Now, Jesus, he corrects him, and he says, well, who made me a judge or arbitrator over you? Then he says, take care and be on your guard against all covetousness, for one's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. Now, that should be able to stand alone, but this, Jesus knows, if he says this and this alone, it's not going to get through this thick guy's skull. And let's be honest, ours either. And so he uses what he commonly uses, a parable, a story to teach the concept of what he's trying to teach these people. This is a story that he tells them. He says, verse 16 here, there's a, a, the land of a rich man produced plentifully. And he thought to himself, what should I do for I have nowhere to store my crops? And he said, I'll do this. I'll tear down my barn and I'll build larger ones. And there I'll store all my grain and my goods. Now, what a great idea this guy has, right? This guy's a rich guy. Uh, it's obviously plentiful, whatever he's producing in his farm. He's got too much. And so he comes up with this crazy idea, tear down the smaller barns, big, larger, big, build big, larger barns, right? I mean, that's just a very common sense idea for this guy to do, right? He's like, oh, that just makes sense. Here's where I think he goes too far. Look at this. 
verse 19, he says, I'll say to my soul, soul, you have ample goods laid up for many years. Relax, eat, drink, be merry. But God said to him, fool, this night your soul is required of you. The things you have prepared, whose will they be? And then Jesus says this, so is the one who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich towards God. Now, hopefully this sounds familiar to you with what we talked about last week. If you were here with us last week, we talked about, hey, there are so many things in life that we can invest into. But ultimately, they are not going to last if they are earthly things. If they are things uh, with money, if they are things regarding things and stuff or reputations, these things, I mean, they go away. These are not eternal, but there are eternal things that we can build into. This is the concept that Jesus is teaching again to the crowd here as he says this. He says, hey, listen, you can build up all of these things, but what happens when you die? You can't take it with you. You can't take any of those things. And so what Jesus is getting at here is he's saying, um, and I think this is pretty evident here in verse 19, is that there is a level of security that we can find in things. I mean, think about what this guy says to himself. Soul, you have ample goods laid up for many years. Relax, eat, drink, be merry. I, I kind of get it like this. Um, anybody, when you uh, get home, and maybe it's after dinner time, you've gotten everything done for the day, and you turn on some Netflix or TV or Wheel of Fortune or whatever it is that you're watching in the evening, and you sit back and you put your feet up, and you're just like, ah. Feels good. This is quite the workout. I'm not going to stand like that very long. But you ever just do that in life, and you're just like, "Yeah, this is good. This is a good life, right?" And this, I just feel good. I got all the dishes done. The kids are in bed. Everything's done. I'm just going to relax. Ah, this is going to be nice. It's going to be a couple hours. I'm just going to chill out. This just feels nice. This is what this guy has. Only he has it not for a few hours, but for years. He's got stuff that is piled up here that he can just sell. He can have an income. He's good for years and years and years. This is where he's found his security. And listen, guys, we can find our security in the same things that this guy found. We can find them in our stuff. We can find them in a certain number in our bank account. We can find them in our reputation. We can find it with the amount of Instagram followers that we have or the way that we make our lives look absolutely perfect. And I know that everyone thinks that I'm perfect. And so I feel good. We can find it in relationships and we can say, oh, my relationships are all good. Everything is nice. Everything is dandy. I feel good. But what Jesus is getting at here is he's saying, hey, you shouldn't find your security in stuff. If you're going to have an eternal mindset, if you're going to have this mindset where you're going to invest into things that are not going to perish with you when you die, we have to find our security in God and God alone. That's it. That's what Jesus, I think, is getting at when he tells us this parable that our security cannot be found in stuff like this guy that he talks about in his parable found this is security in all of his goods, in all of his crops that he could pile into these large barns. And listen, we could do this too. We find our security all the time in stuff, in money, in relationships, in our reputations, but we have to find it in God and God alone. And what that means is that even when life is crazy, 
Even when things are a mess and we're not sure how things are going to get by financially and we're not sure how this relationship is going to pan out and maybe our marriage is kind of on some rocky ground right now or maybe we uh, posted something on social media and we got some weird comments and people don't like us. Whatever it might be, we can still always go to God and say, in you I find my rest. In you I trust Jesus, just like it says in Psalm 910. And those who know your name put their trust in you. For you, O Lord, have not forsaken those who seek you. Because we can ultimately say what God has done for us, and we can find our security in that. It's just like what Daniel read for us earlier from Psalm 40, verse 2, that says, He drew me up from the pit of destruction, out of the miry bog, and set my feet upon the rock, making my steps secure. You ever get this um, feeling maybe in the pit of your stomach? It's kind of a hollow feeling. Maybe you did something wrong and you know it and you're like, man, I messed up. I did something wrong and it is not feeling good inside. Or maybe you made a really bad financial decision. Maybe you bought something really expensive that was, you look back and you go, man, that was just foolish. That was dumb. I can't believe I bought that car. I can't believe I bought that house. I can't believe I spent all that money on that investment that didn't pan out. And you just don't feel good about it. That's an unsecure feeling. And listen, things like that in life are going to happen. We're going to make bad decisions. We live in a fallen, sinful world where things don't always pan out the way that we think they're going to pan out. But when we put our trust in God and we look back at Him and we go, man, maybe stuff in life that is temporal doesn't pan out for me, but I know who does. And that's God. He's coming through for me. In fact, so much that He calls me a son. He calls me a daughter of Him. 1 John chapter 3 puts it like this. See what kind of love the Father has given to us that we should be called children of God. And so we are. You can know this, that even when life is a mess, when you have an eternal mindset and you're finding your security only in what God has done for you, only in how God views you, not anybody else, not anybody else who you think is like, oh, looking at you and you're like, I can't believe you made those decisions or wow, that's an interesting choice or I can't believe that. No, no, no. I find my security in God and God alone. And that's it. And that changes us. Let's be honest. When we walk through life and we're saying, man, I find my security only in the Lord and what the Lord has done for me. Not my stuff, not my decisions, not my ability to accomplish things, but in God, it really does change us. It really does, which is why I think Jesus goes on to the next verse and says this to his disciples. Therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you'll eat, nor what your body, what you'll put on, for life is more than food and the body more than clothing. When we find our security in God and God alone, we can become less and less anxious. But when we find our security in stuff, let me tell you, stuff will always let you down. You can have the nicest, newest gadgets, and you could be unhappy with them. I got to be honest, um, when I uh, was in college, I worked at Sprint. Uh, They're no longer around, but I sold cell phones, and it was a amazing paying job. God blessed me. I was able to get to college debt-free because of this job. And it just paid really, really well. And I was not qualified for it. I didn't deserve the, the job. God blessed me with that job. But I interacted with a lot of coworkers at this job. Now, they're all making 50, 60, 70,000 bucks a year just selling cell phones, okay? They're making some good money. And for a college kid, 
That's pretty good money. In fact, that was pretty unheard of for a college kid to make that kind of money. And so I remember just being in there and just like writing just giant checks to college. And then I got thinking, man, what are my coworkers doing with this? Because like they're all single. They don't really have families. They all kind of do whatever they want to do. They must be loaded. They must just be, man, they must have giant bank accounts and they must be, maybe they're investing for their retirement. You know, I bet that's what they're doing. They're, they're probably really smart with their money. And uh, then I got to know them a little bit better and I found out they're all broke because they just blew it, right? No matter what kind of income that you have, you can still be broke. It doesn't matter. Because if you're not going to use this for God and you're not going to manage this thing well for God, guess what? You're going to blow it. You're not going to have it. And so what Jesus is saying here is he's saying, hey, listen, you find your security in me and then you don't have to go blow it and make yourself feel really good. And when that happens, you become far less anxious. Jesus is saying, hey, therefore I tell you, don't be anxious about your life, what you'll eat, nor about your body, what you'll put on. For life is more than food and the body more than clothing. And then he gives a couple more examples here in verse 25 or 24 and 25. He says, consider the ravens. They neither sow nor reap. They have neither storehouse nor barn. And yet God feeds them. Of how much more value are you than birds? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of his life? If you then are uh, not able to do as small the thing as that, why are you anxious about the rest? Consider the lilies, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all of his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass, which is alive in the field today and tomorrow uh, is thrown into the oven, how much more will he clothe you? O oh, you of little faith, do not seek what you are to eat, what you are to drink, nor be worried. And then Jesus really gets to the point here in verse 30. He says, for all the nations of the world seek after these things. Your father knows that you need him. Instead, seek his kingdom, and these things will be added to you. Anxiety is on the rise uh, just about everywhere right now, especially in our culture. Um, they said anxiety, especially through COVID in the past year, year and a half, has just spiked. They're seeing crazy levels of anxiety. People have never have experienced anxiety are experiencing anxiety. I'll, I'll be completely honest with you. It will only get worse. I guarantee you. The levels of anxiety and culture only continue to rise. There's only one way that we can truly deal with this, and that's giving our lives over to God. Now, I'm not against medication or anything like that. Uh, if you deal with that, I think that's a good thing. But I think ultimately, if we leave out the God aspect, there is no way that we could ever deal with this properly. Because God is asking us to hand over our anxieties to Him, to give it over to Him. Now, the way that we do that is we find our security in God, but also we have to do this, which is God, uh, Jesus gets to here in verse 30 and 31, which is to seek God's kingdom above all else. The problem is when we seek out other things to make us fulfilled, those things will absolutely fail you. You could buy the most reliable car, the best Toyota Corolla on the market today, whatever the most reliable car is. I guarantee you, you know what's going to happen to that car at some point? It will break down. You will go out to it and it will not function 
properly. It will not get you from A to B at some point. Now, that may be years down the road, but it's going to happen. You could buy the most reliable Apple computer out there, whatever it might be. You could buy the best built house, but something is going to go wrong on it. We cannot find our security in stuff. It has to be in God. And what we seek after plays right into that. What we seek after so many times is being secure. I want, to, I want the best things. Uh, I want the backup generators and the battery packs and all of these things to keep me going. And I need this and this and this and this and this and this, this. And again, those things aren't inherently wrong, but we have to ultimately put our priority on God's kingdom and building up his kingdom, not securing ourselves with stuff. We have to seek his kingdom above all else. You know, I thought about this, and I was, as I was preparing for this, the Lord brought um, Psalm 1 to my mind. Um, if you're not familiar with this, this is one of my favorite psalms in all the Scripture. And I want to do something just a little bit differently with this today. Will, will, will you track with me just the next minute or so? It's going to be a little strange. You good with it? Okay, here's what I want to do. I want you to just simply close your eyes, and I'm going to read this to you. And I want you just to visualize what this would look like. Go ahead and close your eyes right now. I'm going to read Psalm 1 to you. This is what it says. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. But his delight is in the law of the Lord. And on his law, he meditates day and night. He is like a tree planted by streams of water, that yields its fruit in its seasons, and its leaf does not wither. In all that he does, he prospers. Okay, go ahead and you can open your eyes now. As you visualize that, as, as, as I read that to you, and this is only about half of Psalm 1, but as I read that to you, did you get this picture of someone who is seeking after God's kingdom? He just meditates on God's law day in and day out. You know, we live in a very fast-paced world, and I think sometimes our tendency can almost be to boil down spending time with God to very legalistic things. All right, I'm going to spend two minutes in prayer, and I'm going to read three chapters of the Bible, but I don't have time, so I'm just going to listen to it. Oh, I don't have time to listen to it all the way, so I'm going to put it on two times speed. Oh, maybe three times, maybe four times on my way while I'm driving and drinking my coffee, and I'm going to do this and this and this and this. this. Oh, done, checked it off. I'm good to go. Now I can go live my life. That's not the picture that we get of Scripture, though. The picture that we get of Scripture is meditating on it. And sometimes like that, get, that word kind of gets like a, a bad rap in our culture, right? But it is scriptural that we meditate on God's Word. And this is the picture that God's Word paints of this. Look at this. He's like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season. Its leaf does not wither, and all that he does, he prospers. This is what it looks like to seek after God's kingdom. You're like that tree that bears its fruit, that does not lose its leaves, that you prosper. And listen, this doesn't mean that everything in life is going to go dandy and perfect and rainbows and butterflies, right? Because we still live in a fallen, sinful world. And everything in life is not going to go perfect for you. But it does mean this, that in life, when those things don't go perfectly for you, does mean that we're not losing our brains over it. And we're not, oh, we're freaking out and we're, we're doing this and we're doing that. And we're, I got to go do that. I got to do this. And, no, no, no. 
We know God's got it all under control. And yeah, it might be a busy season for us. It might really stink. It might, we might have to do a lot of extra work. But we know ultimately it doesn't rely on us. It relies on God. I, I'll be honest with you, um, that, that feeling that I asked you earlier, that like, ah, just relax feeling, like, man, yes, let's just, this feels good, I'm going to relax. I get that from my ability to accomplish things. In fact, I really like my to-do list, and I really anybody else like that, like crossing off the to-do list things? Sometimes I've got about a 30-second task, and I'll, oh, write that down, do, 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 do. go on the computer, oh, and it is done, and cross it off, right? Like 30 seconds, it's on the list, cross off. What was the point? Just so I can feel good about it, right? But let's be honest, we can't do that. We cannot find our uh, security in the things that we do. We can't only chase after feeling good by our own ability to accomplish things. We have to seek after God's kingdom and God's kingdom alone. I want to highlight one more thing. Now, we don't have time to talk about uh, the entirety of the rest of the chapter. I encourage you to go read that this afternoon or some, uh, sometime later this week and just meditate on, on some of the words that Jesus says here. But I want to highlight just a couple things that he says here at the end. Here in verse 35, he says, Stay dressed for action. Keep your lamps burning and be like men who are waiting for their master to come home from the wedding feast so that they may, be, uh, they may open the doors to him at once when he comes in and he knocks. Now, Jesus, he will use this uh, analogy, this uh, kind of story that he's using here over and over again, and he'll go further and further into it. But I think he sums it up well right here in verse 35. Stay dressed, ready for actions. Keep your lamps burning. You know, so many times I think as Christians, we can get into really unhealthy ruts. You know, we can get into these ruts where we're saying, okay, I show up to church, I read my Bible, I prayed, and I'm, it's good. It's good to go. Everything is dandy. Everything is fine. Let's just go on and, 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 and do our thing. And we just get into our routines, right? We get into our routines and we stop uh, asking God to transform us. We stop asking God, where can I glorify you more? We stop asking God, God, what do you want me to change about who I am? How can you transform me to be less like me and more like you? We just kind of keep on trugging through life and doing our own thing and getting the kids to bed and getting the kids to school and putting food on the table and going to our jobs and getting our jobs done. Instead of saying, you know, how, how can I glorify you more in this, God? I think that's what Jesus is saying here when he's saying, hey, stay dressed. Stay ready for action. Keep your lamps burning. Again, he goes on and on in this analogy. But I think that we can summarize it by simply saying this. That as Christians, we cannot become complacent in our faith. That we cannot just get into these ruts where we're saying, okay, you know, this is, you know, this is what my family does. You know, we go to church on Sundays and, you know, we pray before meals and, you know, that's, you know, that's just kind of what we do. We're Christians. So, uh, yeah. No, no, no. We can't fall into that. We have to continually say, God, how can you transform me? Because if you've called me a child of you, if you've called me your son, you've called me your daughter, that means that you do not just want this relationship with me to stay stagnant. You want to deepen it each and every day. And so I want to get on board with your vision of what my life looks like, God, how you created me to be. I think of the letters that were written to the churches in the book of Revelation. 
Probably the most well-known one is in Revelation, uh, or sorry, Revelation chapter 3. Uh, it's to the church in Laodicea. This is what was said to the church in Laodicea. I know your works. You're neither hot nor cold. Would you that you were rather cold or hot? So because you are lukewarm, uh, neither hot nor cold, I will spit you out of my mouth. For I say to you, uh, I'm sorry, for you say, I am rich, I have prospered, I need nothing. Does that sound familiar to what Jesus was saying earlier on about the guy who built up his storehouses, who filled up his barns with crops? I'm rich, I've prospered, I need nothing. However, look at what it says. Not realizing that you are wretched, pitiable, poor, blind, and naked. I counsel you to buy from me gold refined by fire so that you may be rich and white garments so that you may clothe yourself and the, the shame of your nakedness may not be seen and slave to anoint your eyes so that you may not see or so that you may see those whom I love I reprove and discipline. So be zealous and repent. I think if we're going to find our security in God, and we're going to seek His kingdom, and we're going to not become complacent, we have to take, uh, keep uh, this uh, letter to Laodicea in mind when it says, you're neither hot nor cold. So I spit you out of my mouth. Jesus is saying, hey, I want you hot after me. I want you to continually, day in and day out, seek me. I want to grow this relationship that I have with you. We as Christians have a tendency to become complacent. And I think here at Revelation chapter 3, it gives us a cue of how we should not do that. It's right here in verse 19. Look at, the, at that last line. So be zealous and repent. You ever find yourself kind of in a rut with God? You're just kind of saying, oh, I, don't, I don't know, I don't really feel close to God right now. Um, you know, I read my Bible, I pray, I go to church, part of a group, but I don't know, just kind of doesn't feel like it did before. Here's what I want you to do. And that, let's be honest, it's really easy to do that. It's super easy to fall into that. Here's what I want you to do. Take a cue from Revelation chapter 3 and be zealous and repent. There's something that happens when we say, God, I'm sorry, I'm a sinner, and I need you. And I need the sacrifice that you have given on the cross. When you do that, when you say, hey, I, I'm not all that. I can't do this on my own. I need you, Jesus. I need your sacrifice in my life. I need what you have done. When you can do that, when you do that, it changes you. When you remember the need that you have for God each and every day, it changes you. It can kick us out of that rut when we say, man, I need you, God. And it's only in you that I find my rest. I don't find my security in my way of ability to accomplish things or my bank account or my reputation. Jesus, I truly find my security in you and what you have done for me. That's how we get ourselves out of that rut. We rely on Christ and his sacrifice for us because he's given it all. God sent his one and only son to die on a cross for our behalf. He lived a perfect life. He died a horrific sinner's death on a cross. And he rose up three days later to give us a brand new life in him. 
when we remember that, when we remember our need for God, it kicks us out of that rut. So let me ask you a question. Where's your relationship with Jesus right now? Maybe you've been a Christian for a really long time, but maybe you feel like you're kind of in that rut right now. Maybe you're feeling like, I don't know, I'm not really close to God right now. I'm not really feeling like, like I, I did before. Maybe in my younger times, I felt really close to God, but right now I'm just kind of in this weird rut, in this weird routine. If you find yourself there today, spend some time with God and just say, I'm sorry. I'm a sinner and I need you. I need you, God. I need what you have done for me. I need you in my life. I need you. And find your security in Him and Him alone. And pursue His kingdom. And don't become complacent in your faith. Let me pray for you. God, we thank You so much for Your Word today. and I pray that You would help us to have an eternal mindset to what You have for us. An eternal mindset where we don't find our security in things. We don't find our security in our ability to accomplish things or our bank accounts or in our relationships, but in you. And that at the end of the day, we can lay our heads down and know that it is because of what you have done for us already that makes us secure. That gives us the peace that surpasses all understanding. That when life is a mess and things are crazy, that we can rely on you, Jesus. We can find our security in you. We can meditate on your word. And we can be like that tree planted by streams of water that bears its fruit in its season, that has leaves that do not wither. That we can be people that live our lives for you. People that, even when things happen that aren't ideal, we know who you are and what you think of us. And we know that you are our good Father. Jesus, we find our rest in you. We find our security in you. Help us to continue glorifying you and handing over ourselves to you each and every day. Help us not to become complacent. Help us not to get into weird ruts in our lives. Help us to follow and seek you each and every day. In everything that we do, Jesus, we hand our lives to you. We give our lives to you. We give our lives to you today, Jesus. Thank you so much for everything you've done. Help us to glorify you. It's in your precious life-changing name we pray. Amen.